where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. My name is Troy. And my name is James. Here today to discuss Season 7, Episode 3, Executive Suite. I like it because it's a pun. It is a pun, isn't it? As we know, if there's one thing we know for sure, is that James likes puns. I am a pun lover, is what I am. Prince of puns? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) The Punisher. Uh, That'll do. That's fine. (laughs) It was a good episode. I enjoyed this. It is a good one. It aired on 10th of November, 1988. It was written by Fief Sutton. A lot of your episodes are Fief episodes, Troy. They are, aren't they? Yeah. We only bring Troy in for the Fief episodes, is what. Um, Just a really weird coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) And directed by James Burroughs. Interesting, this episode, is that it's a first part of a two-parter, but it's not titled as such. No, it's not. No. Got that to look forward to. By the time we get to the end of the episode, there'll be a cliffhanger. Interesting. Yes, but it doesn't involve cliff. No. They, they missed a the trick. They missed a the trick there. None of the cliffhangers have involved cliff going, uh, guys, you're going to help me out with uh, with this washing here. Or... <laughs> <laughs> None of them. But the uh, cold open is cliff related. It is. He goes on a Martin Scorsese type of rant, doesn't he? He does. I didn't consider it a Martin Scorsese rant, but yeah. Against Disney. <laughs> and, the, and the commercialism, I guess, therein. Yeah, this this occasion on theme parks, or at least that's the point of the conversation and his gripe. I think he was talking about them not having enough heroes and them saying that they need to include more people like firefighters, policemen, paramedics, postal workers, astronauts. Uh, and then he comes up with, with the wacky idea of postal world as a theme park which sounds dull as hell. (laughs) As a theme park, I don't think it would work. As a minor attraction, sure, I'm all for it. I mean, if you want that, there's there's a Postman Pat ride at Alton Towers. There you go, done. There you go. I know that because I ran past it whilst doing the half marathon and Postman Pat was stood there, an actual guy dressed as Postman Pat with a really weird-looking fake cat in front of a little red truck, and it was very surreal. If the American audiences don't know who Postman Pat is, it's like the British children's TV equivalent of Cliff. (laughs) Yeah, just more Welsh. (laughs) Just more (laughs) Welsh. Cliff, despite not being Postman Pat, he doesn't have that IP. Uh, He thinks that this this is a great idea, this postal world. Norman Fraser aren't convinced, but Cliff walks off to plan his idea so he can get out of his dead-end job. (laughs) <laughs> that's, a, that's a quote from, from Cliff himself. Uh, on with the main episode, which is much more exciting. It is. It's quite a back and forth between two, three of the characters. Not an emotional roller coaster, but just no one knows if they're coming or going in this. It's a lot of exercise in this, isn't it? It is, yeah. Get out of the bar, in the bar. I'll tell you what, Woody, I like this episode because... It's one of the episodes where I started feeling, do they just want to put Woody Harrelson in ridiculous costumes? Because he's already <laughs> been dressed up as Mark Twain and Moses. So 
Yeah, it does just seem like an excuse to put him in anything that's ridiculous or just put him in awkward, silly situations. On this occasion, it's a load of bees. A ship ton of bees. A ship ton of bees. That's right. 4,000 to be precise. I don't even know what that is in Roman New Worlds, but oh, it's a lot. It's a, it's the amount of bees that you'd go, that's a lot of bees. That's <laughs> You'd hear them coming from a distance, wouldn't you? 4,000 of them. Is that what's considered a swarm? Is the, the name for a collective of bees a swarm? But like, how many constitutes a swarm? Is it more than one? Is it more than 100? At least three, uh, because, you know, then there's a pattern. Two, it's, you know, could just be bees meeting for a chat. But three, that's a... Uh... <laughs> B- bees that lunch, just two of them. Do you bees like jazz? <laughs> <laughs> that's Woody's storyline in this episode. He's got 4,000 bees. There's little questions as to why his uncle kept bees and Woody... Because he used to help him with his collection of bees previously. So Woody's got bee knowledge. He stores them in the office, which, you know, is the logical place to keep animals of all kinds. We've seen that sheep have been kept there. Bees, Carla, store them all in the office. (laughs) But Woody has a message for Rebecca. Rebecca has arrived late. Yeah, she's annoyed with her boss. She's annoyed with her boss because this new boy, Greg Stone, went, "Uh, Rebecca, you're doing all right, but actually it was better under Sam's management, so you're going to have to work together. Good news is, he's gone. Greg's out. Done one. Off you go. Bye, Greg. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Greg Stone's been replaced by someone by the name of Martin Teal. More on that later. More on that later. He's an interesting he's an interesting fellow. But with this news that Greg Stone's been replaced, Rebecca doesn't know what that means for her, what that means for her career. She's pretty stressed about it, isn't she? She says, I need to calm down. I'm hearing buzzing noises. Little does she know that Woody's turned her office into a beekeeping hive. Oh, you're stressed, Rebecca, that you're hearing buzzing noises. I'll tell you what that is. It's four thousand bees. <laughs> Maximum bees. Yeah, she says, I'm, I'm in the mood that I'll agree to anything. Those are my bees, Miss Howe. Enough said. Hey, can I keep them in there to the end of the day? Sure, anything you want. In my mood, I'll agree to anything. Sounds like my cue. Oh. Sammy, it's right. terrible. I'm... You need to set a hose on that boy. Just... Down, Sam. Down. It's just a bit like... It's a bit desperate. Like, the, the, the smallest kind of opening... And he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, oh, oh, that's my cue. Oh, yeah, I can get in there. Like, mate, she doesn't want it. She didn't. She doesn't like you that much. Have you heard this phrase from the Bible? It's something along the lines of, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Something along those lines. I've never heard that, but it's very apt to this situation. Very profound. Sam goes, small hole. I, look, <laughs> I could fit this camel. Just trying to crowbar his way into everywhere, isn't he? Everyone and everything. It's none of your business, Sam. None of your beeswax. <laughs> I see what you've done there. I, I see what I did there. Yeah, I'm sure the two plots were related in some way. James <laughs> Boses are going, thief, what you got for me? Well, Rebecca's nervous about her career. We need a B plot. B plot, you say? Well, (laughs) (laughs) so doesn't Sam attempt to give some sort of presentation as to 
like why they should go for dinner or something like that, which is what he, he, he takes into the office, but he gets Norm to help out, sets up the little stand. He realizes that Rebecca's very much a businesswoman, and he's like, All right, I'll, I'll talk to her in her language. I've got a presentation. I've got graphs, Rebecca, graphs and stats. Graphs and stats. She's having none of it. <laughs> she turns around to Norman and is like, how much has he paid you to do this? He's like, no, no, absolutely nothing. Like, we go way back. I'd do this. It was $80. <laughs> I like how Norm's still wearing a suit for it. <laughs> he doesn't need to wear a suit anymore. He's a painter. <laughs> but after this, Rebecca says that she'll only date men that can advance her career. I mean, it's a very 80s thing to say, isn't it? You can look back on it now, and yeah, it, it's it's very much a phrase of its time because no one says that anymore at all, do they? Um, no, they don't say it. They might think it, but you don't say it anymore. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what I'm only going to date men that will help me advance my career. It's just ooh, less of that. <laughs> Stop it, Rebecca. But she's got a meeting with this boy, Martin Teal. And she's like, yeah, see what I can do. Maybe, you know, if Martin's as, as sexy as Mr. Drake, then we're onto something. Turns out he's not. <laughs> well, he might be, but she'll, she might be put on some kind of a list uh, if, if she tried. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets into the lift and there's a much younger guy in there. Younger and quite a bit shorter. Is the term whippersnapper? I've, I've not... Whippersnapper. I've, it's not a word I use often. I feel I'm about 30 years too young to, to use that it's, word. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a word your grandparents use, isn't it? A young whippersnapper. But that's what he is. And he starts trying to chatter up. Yeah, I don't know how tall Kirstie Alley is, but she's a fair few inches shorter than Sam. So I'm guessing, what, five, eight or something? Yeah, Martin's five five five. Yeah, five three five five. Not it's a tall boy. Quite the height difference. <laughs> He's basically trying to weasel his way in, though, isn't he? And so she kind of she jokes along with it. Well, that sounds fine. Shall we take my car, or will your mommy be driving us? <laughs> what? And yeah, just just keeps kind of like nitpicking at him and and, and pointing out the obvious fact that he's quite a bit younger. Uh, and shorter um but little does she realize when she enters martin teal's office uh, she says hello to who she thinks it is who she believes is martin teal much older man uh that may have in her head fitted the description and actually that's mr teal's assistant dennis mr teal walks in and it's the small man from the lift an ambitious young whippersnapper bucked young upstart oh rebecca you put your foot in it there didn't you yeah, she she just starts backtracking and digging further now, doesn't she? Aerosmith wrote a song about love in an elevator. I don't think this is what they had in mind at all. It wasn't about this. No, they no. had a kind of Jim Morrison type exchange is what they they had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so he keeps trying to push for a, a date and she says that she's made it her policy not to date anyone that she works with. That's lies and fabrication. That's absolutely lies. You said in the same breath, you'll only date men that advance your career. As I said, this is very back and forth. It's all over the place. She's indecisive. She doesn't know what she wants. And she's got two, two men opposite sides of the scale, but both equally as desperate and pushy uh, that want to try and be with her. Yeah, it's weird because you could tell Martin Teal's a very 
ambitious man to get to the position he has at the age he has and how he interacts mm. with everyone. It's interesting because personality-wise, he seems quite different from Evan Drake, but they're both quite corporate-driven. Yeah. Know what Martin's book on business would be? What? The Art of the Teal. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. I mean, believe it, Troy, it's happening. Just here for the ride, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Opened Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Rebecca's having none of it. She's trying to backtrack and she says something which I kind of think we expect it to happen, but I love the audience's reaction. In light of that, would you like to reconsider my earlier offer of dinner? Oh, well, now you're forcing me to tell you the real reason why I couldn't accept your poetic and, may I say, very touching proposal. (laughs) And that reason is that I... You're seeing someone else. That's it! Oh, very good, sir. Bullseye. (laughs) Who's the lucky devil? Oh, it's just somebody at the bar. Sam Malone. I see. And uh, the audience goes, oh! (laughs) (laughs) It was a great moment. As I say, it was a moment we expected. But Martin's reaction therein is uh, that he wants to talk to Sam. He wants to suss out his opponent in a very business-type way. Uh, Him and Dennis seem to joke around a lot, whether Dennis likes it or not. Dennis is much like you, just there for the ride. He... (laughs) They joke at one point, well, he jokes rather at one point about firing Sam. And a little earlier, he jokes about firing her as well. And it's this very weird moment. Very odd. It's a power play. Yes. He goes on to reinstate her as as the sole manager of Cheers. But, and then, as you say, he wants to call Sam. Uh, she makes up the excuse that he can't call him because he's out on lunch. It just continues to be really weird. He's He's a very strange... And again, I think this is very much a product of its time because even later on in, in this episode, there's just some stuff that he says that for me, like kind of sat a little bit uncomfortably and it wasn't even said in like a kind of jokey way. And it was just a bit like, should you be saying that? It's just, just an odd character. I do like the fact that Rebecca is uncomfortable with him and doesn't particularly like how, aggressive he is even if it's done in a business motivation you know he's he's very i want this i'll get this uh and i'm glad that rebecca is against that i'm glad that she's not like yeah i like his ambition he's a little weirdo yeah (laughs) (laughs) back in the bar woody gets out his beekeeping garb goes to feed the four thousand bees Goes in initially in his regular clothes doesn't he and then he realizes they've all escaped so he's like Ah, right, okay. My uncle must have put like the full beekeeping like garb on in one of these boxes. <laughs> Just when he came out all dressed up, it reminded me of him back to the future when he's got like that white suit on, like when he's handling the plutonium, he comes out with the thing that's on fire as it's smoking. It's like, yeah, this will this will herd them back together. <laughs> yes. Woody goes to deal with the bees. Well, Frasier particularly. Terrified because a bee may have escaped, which Carla relishes this opportunity. <laughs> she just goes, I think it went down your shirt. Which point, Kelsey Grammer, with almost a uh, 
Magic Mike level bombast rips his shirt off. More like the full Monty. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the lower budget version. Great film, if the listeners yes. haven't watched it. And then uh, <laughs> Carla goes, well, mate, I was just joking. He goes, well, I'm glad you told me while I still had my dignity. And walks off, <laughs> dragging his shirt. <laughs> Is it this moment Woody comes out all dressed up, isn't it? And then Rebecca walks in at the pretty much at the same time. Basically, he just goes, I'm not even going to question it. Just just get on with it. Whatever it is you're doing, just get on with it. <laughs> what I like is you see Woody walking through. Nick Cage should take some advice from him because Woody's walking through very calmly, just going, no sudden movements. <laughs> <laughs> um, slow, slow, no sudden movements. <laughs> uh, and there's a great line, which I'll put the quote in for. Don't you worry, I'm just going to take him home with me. <laughs> It's at this point where she tells Sam that Sam's been demoted. Sam doesn't seem to be too affected by it. But she also says she's accepting of his offer for dinner. Yeah. And Sam goes, hmm. But he's no no dummy. He knows what's going on. So Martin calls the bar and wants to talk to Sam. Uh, and they have a bit of back and forth, and he tells Martin to wait a moment while he talks to Rebecca, which is when he realises why it is that she's agreed to go out on a dinner with him. Yeah, well, and I like I like how Sam deduces this. He goes, you said you wanted someone to advance your career. Martin's interested. What's wrong with this picture? There's something wrong with Martin. And Sam goes, yeah, mate, she's here. Go for a date. Yeah, we're broken up. Don't care. <laughs> deal with it anything to just get a one-up isn't it it's just like right i know i know there's something here i know there's a reason why you've not so i need to be part of this joke i need to see what this is about yep exactly let's talk about the cast for this episode we've got alex neville as martin teal he also appeared in blossom empty nest cafe american Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Married with Children, The Nanny, Family Matters, Third Rock from the Sun, That 70s Show, ER, Star Trek Enterprise, Law and Order, Boston Legal, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams movie, Super 8, NCIS, and many more. Jill Heiken as Dennis, he also appeared in The Phil Silvers Show, Uncle Vanya, Deadline, The Power and the Glory, The Untouchables, Car 54, Where Are You, Macmillan and Wife, Bonanza, The Partridge Family, The Streets of San Francisco, Maud, All in the Family, Starskin Hutch, Heart to Heart, Remington Steel, The Twilight Zone, New Heart, Saint Elsewhere, Who's the Boss, Matlock, and many more. Nathan Purdy as Delivery Man, who delivered the 4,000 bees. He also appeared in Dynasty, Saint Elsewhere, Knots Landing, The Return of Superfly, The Young and the Restless, One Life to Live, House of Cards, and many more. He also worked as a bounty hunter to pay his way through college. David Schall as chauffeur. He also appeared in The New Mike Hammer, Jake and the Fat Man, The Bold and the Beautiful, Murder, She Wrote, L.A. Law, The Young and the Restless, E.R., and many more. Philip Pullman and Al Rosen are, of course, uncredited as Phil and Al. Rebecca reluctantly agrees to the date with Martin. They go for a dinner. Don't know where. I assume it's quite nice because... Martin's a businessman. 
and he no worked... expense spared with Mr. T, or was there? No, exactly. Money's no object. Martin pulled out the big bucks. Didn't go to Melville's. They went. They went elsewhere and got back at two in the morning. Nothing happened. No, but why? Why did they get back at two in the morning though? Because they want. He he wanted to come to the bar, didn't he? To meet Sam, and she intentionally kept them out late, knowing that the bar closed, so that when they did get there, there would be no one in, or at least they thought there was no one in. Turns out everyone was hiding behind the bar. Surprise. <laughs> Does she ask, Rebecca asked, what were you doing behind there? And he said, we're playing hide and seek. And she says, well, who was seeking? <laughs> Norm's like, oh, oh, I wonder why it was going so slow. They hadn't nominated anyone. To he's he's a sharp one, Norm, uh, isn't he? But Martin has to leave because he's got Geneva on the phone. Martin goes off to answer the phone. She's then with the rest of the people in the bar. And she's like, okay, go ahead. You know, make your jokes. They're like, what do you mean? I haven't got any jokes. What, what are you on about? <laughs> says, well, it's a bit young. And they says, well, well, why is that a problem? Unless you're planning on taking him over state lines. <laughs> do you want to know what the legal drinking age is in the UK? It's mind-blowing. It's 18. That's the legal age to purchase alcohol. What's the legal age to drink it? Five. What? Yep. Oh, is that if, if you're accompanied by a parent at a pub and it's with a meal? No, it's uh, in, in your own home. The parent or guardian can serve their child alcohol from the age five. That's balmy. Saying that... <laughs> Welcome to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Parents put, like, brandy on, like, babies' gums, don't they, to, like, soothe teething. I don't know if they still do. I know they used to. Like, it was always, like, common practice to basically get your baby hammered on brandy. <laughs> they start making these jokes... As expected, Sam and Rebecca argue a bit. Rebecca kind of defends Martin. Then Martin shows up with a big old rock. Rebecca goes back into the office, doesn't she? After everyone's left the bar. And uh, Sam's on his way out. Martin comes in. He's got, as you say, a big rock that he's going to propose. And Sam deduces that by saying, you only buy a woman a ring like that unless you're planning on doing one thing. And then again, he just becomes a bit... A little bit weird, a bit a bit rapey. I get what I want every time. Like you can't say that. I don't care how good at business you think you are. You can't say that. He even says, "I never take no for an answer." And you go, mm, you "Could have phrased it a bit bit better than that." Could have definitely phrased that a bit better. Like, oh yeah, it's just a bit of a wrong one. He is. I prefer Evan Drake. Classy man was Evan Drake. Classy, classy, classy guy. Sam sees Martin walking in, tells Sam he's going to propose, asks Sam if he's going to try and win her back. Sam just goes, no. <laughs> you go on, Martin. Yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> Fill your boots, mate. Goes into the office. We hear Rebecca screaming, falling down. Sam starts humming, whistling, here comes the bride. <laughs> That's how the episode ends, and what a cliffhanger it is. Speaking of cliff... There he is with the mail. Thanks, Cliff. Cliff, the ring. No, mate. Just calm down, yeah? <laughs> He's gone now. It's fine. We've got some trivia here. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. 
Uh, Rebecca arrives late for work. What time does she arrive? Oh, Sam said something quite amusing in relation to like how late she is. And I can't remember what it is. It's pretty late considering they open at 10am. It's 3.30 in the afternoon. Right. In a slightly perverted moment, uh, Sam compares himself to another athlete, but for the lesser known, less appropriate sport of skirt chasing. Which athlete does he compare himself to? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, dear. He compares himself to Cy Young. And Cy Young was not known for this. He was a baseball player, the MLB player with the most career wins, along with the annual Cy Young Award for the best pitcher in each league being named after him. He played for the Red Sox from 1901 to 1908. So even when this episode aired, it was a bit of a dated reference. Yeah. By, <laughs> like, a, a 80 years? Good 70 years, 80 <laughs> years. <laughs> you know, Cy Young. Sure. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's Last Call. It was an exciting episode. I think Martin Teal's going to be an interesting but not appropriate adversary. Yes. I think Sam needs to have words with him. Someone needs to. Dennis needs to have words with him. But Dennis is such a yes man. He'll never. You know why Dennis is a yes man? Why is that? Because Martin doesn't take no for an answer. Uh, Stop it with that. What drink should we have for this episode? What are we thinking? What drink or food? Honey? There's a a honey Jack Daniels whiskey, which is quite nice. That was easy, that one. Yeah. Uh, It was a good episode. And we'll see how this proposal develops in episode four, which I can already tell you has some great parts in episode four. Some new scenes. Oh, delightful. You'll listen to it next week. Bye.